Hello and welcome oh. to Scopy Radio. My name is Dan Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And Daniel didn't tell me he was hitting record. <laughs> How Yay! you feeling? It's sounding board. It's just a sounding board. Yeah, so it's Thursday. It is. September 6th, 2018. 6th? I'm pretty sure it's the 5th. The 6th. It is the sixth. Oh. I just checked for anybody wondering. Um, for anybody who's like dying to know. Yeah. What date was it? Mm-hmm. When they recorded this mm-hmm. groundbreaking piece of media. So, um, just for context, um, I'm sitting in our study, <clears throat> having gotten off of work an hour ago. Yeah. Um, and I am currently rolling my feet with a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. So, um, for any for any moment that you hear like, that's me rolling my feet with a tennis yeah. ball. Yeah. Um, I want to say too, we've been less than frequent in our posting in the past couple weeks. I think we acknowledged it somewhere, but we're just busy. You know what? I'm. I don't apologize for no. Lack I, of frequency. I I'm not apologizing I don't for care. it. I just like we've made no promises. Yeah, I'm just kind of contextualizing. All right. Well. Sounds an awful lot like apologizing. Well, I mean, we can occasionally apologize. Like, it doesn't have to all But be. I feel like you always apologize. I feel like every time we come on here, it's like, sorry, we haven't done this in a while. It's like, we have lives to live. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm rolling out my feet with a tennis ball right now. I think it's okay that, you know, that we don't. I don't. I don't know why those two thoughts are related, but in my mind they are. That's fair. Like I'm rolling on my feet with a tennis ball, so yeah, you're lucky that we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and we took. Well, we're recording another episode this afternoon too, which is cool. I'm glad that we're taking the time to do a sounding board because there's like a lot going on. Well, so the first thing that I want to make sure that we talk about is our Indiegogo yeah. campaign. Um, so Daniel, do you want to talk a little bit about the why and I can talk and then I can kind of go into like some of like some housekeeping things about it? Yeah. So like, I think it's pretty clear at this point, Scopy Magazine is a production company. Um, we do digital media. Digital media is expensive. That's kind of been the tagline is like, you know, we are trying to provide digital media to Chicagoans and artists and things like that. Um, and we know what we're doing. And we know how to do it, uh, and we think that we can kind of make a big move and be working on uh, a commercial level for for not commercial purposes, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of what um, what we're working towards. And so uh, we're raising $2,100 for a new drone and um, a new mobile audio setup with lavalier microphones. Um, and that will basically... After that, like as far as what Scopy can produce, like it's it's limitless. Kind of like, the, yeah, sky's there's, the limit. There's not really uh, anything <clears throat> holding. Like if if we then aren't making groundbreaking work, it's on us entirely. And yeah. I, I think I think at this point, it's like it's it's never not been on us to like get to where we're at. But I think especially um, this is basically like like we could before this point we could kind of be like, well, but our equipment sucks. Yeah. But after this, our equipment won't suck. Right. Yeah. And so it was spurred on by, um, we've had, I got like a, um, a drone, like the cheapest one they have 
they um, they have out there on the market well the cheapest reliable drone that dji makes mm -hmm. dji is a really solid company for um for drone stuff no idea their ethics like if they're fucking terrible like who knows let's but what it's not well i mean let's just move on i i definitely was not trying to like just, come on <laughs> anyway the drone is really reliable it except for this one time where it, it crashed and um it's actually not a, not like expensive to fix i mean it's basically 80 dollars for a new battery which we don't have $80 right now for a new battery. Um, and that was kind of the thing where they DJI also just released the new line of Mavics, which are kind of like the prosumer model uh, that shoots HD video, really high quality, um, higher quality than the drone we have now. Uh, and it's also more reliable. There's more safety features and all, all, all and above. Basically exactly what we need. There's an Indiegogo campaign and video that kind of goes more into the details of what these yeah. products really, if, like if, why. But if, you wanna, if you want to hear more of the nitty gritty behind it, please mm -hmm. go check out our Indiegogo. I don't want to go too into depth of Absolutely. like the specs. Because we do that fairly, you know, in depth in the video. And... It's I, on I, our YouTube channel, and it's also pinned on our Facebook page. Yeah, so if so you want please, to find it, please go check that out. Right. Um, one of the perks, though, is that at a certain level, you get a shout out on a podcast. Absolutely, and we have a shout out. We do. The lovely, the talented, the amazing Kelly Bourget. She was featured on our um, on our twenty four Italian, Italian songs, songs and arias. Yeah concert yeah. last year and she was fantastic and a joy to work with and uh kelly thank you so much for thank you your generosity so it really means everything to us yeah thank no you. it was it's it's always it's always nice in moments like that where you're like you see a specific name of a person but and you're like oh wow that's so that's so kind that you like took the time to do that because mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 super helpful um and yeah, if you ever want to try flying the drone once we get it. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of my like thing. <laughs> that's like, like your that's like your secret, your secret incentive is like anybody yeah. who donates, like if you want to fly the drone. Yeah. So so yes, uh if you want to hear your name re heard, read, said on our podcast, uh head to our Indiegogo page, uh throw us some money and you'll be next. Cool, so let's get into some stuff. Yes. Um well, there's a lot of different stuff. First off, and I'm sorry to do this to you. Did you see that um, uh, Heartland Cafe is selling the property? I did. I, I saw that. I did see that. Um, that's wild. It is wild. And it... Um, I don't know much about it. I, I saw I saw the title of the article on my break. Yeah. Um, I the thing that I I will say and or did I, they someone posted in sounding board someone did and uh, I it's also like Block Club wrote about it the thing I the reason why I'm bringing it up um, because that and then there's also a church that went up for sale in Logan Square um, I I hope there are just like somebody hiding out there that can like pick up these properties because I would really hate to see like meaningful community spaces get developed in a, in a way that's just kind of like luxury condos that no one in the neighborhood can afford um because especially like with heartland like yeah you know like 
maybe you have a critique for it. I saw a bunch of, I mean, comment threads are terrible. So the comment that I saw about it was terrible, of course. But, um, but you know, it's a, it's, there's no doubt it's a community fixture, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's meant a lot to the, to the neighborhood and, um, it has, it, Tina Fey a, wrote about it in her book. Yeah. It's, it's really a space that's important. Um, <clears throat> and like, you know, maybe there's someone that's gonna, that's gonna step up and, and keep a community, uh, uh, keep that community space intact and or it might get brought up by developers but no matter what like we need to be pay attention to that and what what that what the effects of that mean for the community yeah i mean that's kind of the you know with development without displacement conversations we've had in the past like i think that entering this space as um <clears throat> as a person that recognizes that development can and frequently does lead to displacement um that is a uh that is a piece of the reality that cannot be ignored because there is a need for for building structures that preserve community spaces and, and pro- provide rent control and provide ways to like keep the culture of a neighborhood accessible. Like it doesn't the culture doesn't need to stay the same necessarily, but I, I think that like as soon as we start making it exclusive to one class of person that's really that's really problematic and and the reality is is that there is a push for that to happen there are developers that are interested in making it such that certain neighborhoods are exclusive to a certain class of person oh absolutely they're they want to make the neighborhoods pretty for absolutely amazon employees yep (laughs) you know yeah and that is the reality of where we're at in chicago and so i think that's really important um so it's it's a tragedy that Heartland is is being sold. That's, I mean, we had a you know an absolutely amazing summer, putting on performances at um, Heartland Bar, mm-hmm. and it was it was so much fun and and they were so generous with their space and their resources and well and they always were yeah you know and so um, yeah I, we can only hope that the new owners will be as lovely and gracious and mm-hmm. um because how long have how long is have they owned that place i think they've only owned it like a, maybe a decade or something like that but the space is obviously like a like a 30 something year old space yeah that space is hella old mm-hmm. and it's it's got uh major roots in the activist scene in chicago and you know like Barack obama started his campaign there like there's you know all kinds of stuff that yeah. that tie to the history of um of work in in Chicago, especially local work, um, mm-hmm. that I think is really important. Andrea Hansen mentioned that um, the playwright of Klingon Christmas Carol was uh, starting some kind of yeah. If you thing. if somebody wants to post a signing board about like organizing something for that end, I have no idea how that would be like the biggest thing that we ever uh, uh, undertook as a community. Like, I'm not saying that it's our community. I'm saying like. I'd be interested in if there are more people that are interested in doing that, learning about it, and, and kind of like covering that. That uh, everybody throws in a hundred dollars and we yeah. all buy Heartland together. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that'd be funny, and maybe that's like uh, my uh, pie in the sky thinking that like maybe I don't know. Okay, <laughs> why not? Yeah. Well, and I think in 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 I think this is a great uh, segue into well, why not territory. I think we should talk about Rahm Emanuel uh, saying that he's not going to run for re-election. 
And it's like, yeah, like your your mayoral candidate, why not? Why can't they win? You know, like like it's that's where we're at. Is like it's an open playing field. And and you know, so many so many outlets. There's a reason why we wrote one article about it, and we're only talking about it on the podcast, just because like so many outlets have so many takes and. And I think Uh, we'll talk about our takes, too. The the take I'm most interested, that I found most interesting, was um, Maria Hernandez, who we Mm. had on from um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, She mentioned that, I I thought her take was, like, optimistic, but also realistic of, um, you know, is Rahm Emanuel, is the fact that Rahm Emanuel is... I'm exhausted. The fact that Rahm Emanuel is not seeking re-election um, is not the finish line. Absolutely. But it is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, the system that elected Rahm Emanuel is still in place. Oh, 100%. Absolutely, 100%. But, um, no, I, I thought that that was, like, a really, like I said, an optimistic but realistic take. Like, just because Rahm Emanuel isn't, isn't you know, just because he will no longer be in office doesn't mean that the police aren't still shooting people. Yeah. I want to say, too, um, if there is anyone listening who is involved with any mayoral campaigns, there's a chance for that. Um, we definitely are interested in covering and talking to as many candidates as possible. You know, we covered Lori Lightfoot. Um, we've covered Amara Enya a, a little, but I'd, I would be honored to meet her. She seems really rad. Um, but, you know, I, I am interested in covering and understanding the policy of all the mayoral candidates as much as possible um because and and frankly because the the progressives the socialists the um black identity folks um are covered weirdly and terribly and and you know i'm not sitting here going like the the one that's fascinating to me to this end is like willie wilson which like i from my understanding uh his policy is like super conservative like like he wants to deregulate and all this stuff but um, but also, and if that's misrepresentative of his of his policy, please like reach out to me. But I also find that a lot of the coverage around Willie Wilson is like he's foolish and this and that, and it's like it's super fucking racist. Like because because everybody's kind of talking about how he gives out money to communities. He's very philanthropic, um, but it's like framed in this way of like, oh, that's such a waste of money. Like if you were really trying to buy votes, it would be a less expensive. And it's like. Maybe he's not trying to buy votes. Maybe he literally just understands that money means a lot to communities. And and you know, I I don't know. Like that that to me is a fascinating. I'm not sitting here going like, oh, Willie Wilson for mayor because I, I I've also heard that his policy like is legitimately terrible. But look, like where we're at, uh, I think we need I think we need to vet everybody, and I think there needs to be a degree of like unpacking everybody's policy and figuring out what that means for Chicago because. We live in a sold-off city in so many ways. So many industries in Chicago have been sold off. There was an In These Times articles about it. And it's like, yeah, Rahm Emanuel has only been interested in... I mean, like, look at parking fees, you know? Look at, like, things that are that, that could be public services, that could be bringing in income for the government, and instead is, is more expensive to the, to the taxpayer and uh to the community rather and um and is working towards giving tax cuts to major businesses it's it's chicago is deep in that space i think that my um my viewpoint on this is like is willie wilson probably not is willie wilson a bad candidate for mayor yes but he is no less bad a candidate than the other bad candidates (laughs) 
Like just yeah. because he just because he is black does not make him a worse candidate. Right. If he's a garbage candidate, then yes, we need to analyze why he's a garbage candidate, but we mm-hmm. need to do so with the same intellectual rigor that that we do the other garbage candidates. Yeah, and I, the thing, so I wrote an editorial about this because the thing that I really feel is that we, there is a call and a movement towards building a platform of, of you know, whatever the left of established Democrats in Chicago want to call themselves. You know, um, and, and, you know, I believe in, I believe in identifying yourself ideologically. I think it's really powerful to do that. And I think that there are distinctions in that. But I also think that, like, there is going to we're going to realize soon who the establishment Democrat candidate is, and Chicago does not need more of the same. Chicago needs change, mm-hmm. and like if we're if there's going to be a uh, the left needs a solid platform that is unified and that that rejects sectarianism, but that is also thorough. And and I don't know if that's like a controversial thing to say. I don't feel like it should be, but. Um, but you know, as far as like who I'm watching right now, I'm watching Lori Lightfoot. Mm-hmm. I'm watching um, uh, Amara Enya. I'm watching Troy Lervier. I'm watching. Um, I guess I'm watching Willie Wilson. Uh, and and um, McCarthy seems fine, but like I, I'd much rather not see a white mayor, frankly, in Chicago right now. I just think that it's. I think that it's really would be on the. Uh, be a little tone deaf to to what's happening with police shootings right now to to do that i think we kind of need to have uh, a representative of the community uh personally that's that's what i think um and i i think more than anything i think that uh illinois politics like if it's if the uh recent democratic gubernatorial nomination is any uh indication and this is this i think was probably the most controversial thing i said in the piece is that I think we fu- I think we screwed the pooch. Is that a weird? Is that a, an offensive term? Maybe to dogs. Anyway, I, I think we. Hey, messed everybody, up. listen. I just want to take a moment. To all of our dog listeners out there. <laughs> Thank you for this. Yeah, no, I'm I think. So- I think no, right. Daniel, you've said enough. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. To all of our dog listeners, that was really fucked up. What Daniel just said. You know, I just, I'm so sorry. And. No, can I, can I, I need to apologize. I mean, tread lightly. Look, li- tre- I have hey, dog friends. Tread lightly. I have friends that say. are dogs. I've met a dog, you know? Like, I, I feel like, should I call that dog to see if, like, they can maybe speak for, for me? You know, I feel like I'm, I've been a good ally to dogs. Just making so shit worse. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? The this what I really genuinely believe is that, like, progressives, left of establishment Democrats, messed up in the Democratic gubernatorial campaign because we had more of the vote, but the vote was split. And, and- I, hold on. I looked at my I looked at my phone for a minute, and you went from somehow you went from Willie Wilson. Maybe a garbage candidate, but let's be intellectual about it, to rehashing the gubernatorial primary? Well, I'm not rehashing so much as just saying, like, I, I think that, I think, I think that it'd be foolish to not recognize that these things are, like, they're, like, what I'm saying is there's a difference of what's happening now, like, the discourse is different than when it was, 
you know, I think that I think that there is a well, and also the incumbent isn't running anymore. So we honestly, I think that we have a really unique opportunity here to like to very much cherry pick who we want to be our mayor because we're not we're not trying to find the candidate who can beat Rom. We're now just looking for the best person for the job. We're well, filling yeah. a vacancy. But I also what I also We're hiring. What I also think is very likely is um, there will be a candidate that is interested in privatization and regul oh, and, sure. and deregulating. And I think that there will be a private industries candidate. There has to be because there is a there is a strong call for development in Chicago. Man, how salty do you think J.B. Pritzker is that he didn't just run for mayor? I don't... Do you think he wants that, though? Do you think he'd rather... Listen. I don't understand that, man. What do you... What, I, do, you, just... what do you think is a, is a shittier job? The governor of Illinois or the mayor of Chicago? I think both are pretty shitty jobs. Well, I think I think the reason they've become shitty is they've been so negligent to the people that the people fucking hate both of them, both sides of the aisle. And I want to say too is that's like, what I'm saying is that it's a sh- it's a shitty job because like because it's gotten so fucked up. I think that like for example, being the mayor of or, yeah being bleh, being the governor of Wisconsin isn't isn't a terrible job. Yeah. Being the governor of Massachusetts isn't a terrible job, but certainly being the governor of fucking Illinois is awful. Well, and I, I do believe though that um, that there is a policy that is gonna that is gonna appeal to to more than it doesn't, and I think that what is interesting is that there is an opportunity for a, a mayor to run on a populist platform that they'll be liked i think that there is a i think that there is a possibility for that and i think that like the left can be the the people that that build that platform and find that that a policy that that like is something that everybody can get behind but um but you know and all this is to say too like uh um, you know, I, I consider myself like pretty far left, like ANCOM based territory, basically. But I'm gonna vote for JB Pritzker, you know, and and because because like I, I the way I see it is like we can push JB Pritzker further left than we can Ronner, period. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I think that we've discussed this at, yeah. at at some considerable length. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in hearing what you think. Um, we obviously are are going to be paying close attention. Um, I'm interested in f- learning more about the policy. If, if anybody is from any campaigns or listening, please, 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 please feel free um, to reach out to help us flesh out the understanding of people's policy because I think that's that's really important right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what was the other thing that was really uh, relevant? That oh oh oh, oh the New York Times op-ed. <laughs> I love the backlash that that piece has gotten. But I also there was a it was framed like we got to talk about like the the way the New York Times framed this thing. 
like as like a as as a as a hero emerging from I'm the fold. I'm part of the resistance. Like that no, to you're me not. is yeah. That to me is like uh, how malleable this fucking resistance thing is. Like don't get me wrong. Like of course, of course, I think resisting the current government is good. But I think that the movement behind the resistance of the current government uh, has become so centrist and just like. Oh, Donald Trump isn't presidently enough that we're not understanding the fucking policy that that this administration is rolling out. Here is my main beef with this quote unquote hero. I know that's that's no, how it's fucking me, framed. Yeah, no, yeah, sorry, sorry. So what what bothers me the most is that he's like he's doing such a bad job and we've thought about invoking the 25th amendment but we decided that it's for the best that we let this lunatic stay. All right, so I guess I have two takeaways. That we've thought about invoking the 25th Amendment, but we thought it would be best to preserve the stability of the party. And it's like, all right. <laughs> First of all, the fact that you're so hesitant to remove this president from office, like, how much of a dumpster fire must they must they? Th- think mike pence is that they're like god we in order to maintain the integrity of the party we have to keep this raving lunatic in office but the other thing i have an issue the other thing i have an issue with is that this individual who wrote this new york times op-ed you know decrying how this person is you know besmirching the name of the of the office of the president like you're still accepting and cashing those paychecks. Yeah. And on top of that, he's like, I want to see this administration succeed. You cannot say I am part of the resistance and I want to see this administration succeed in the same sentence. You absolutely and there, cannot. And and t- what I will say, too, is like, to me, the New York Times lost any sense of it being uh, a paper that cares about what Donald Trump is doing to journalism because like it's threatening to to the state of journalism and and to allow uh, to enable this enabler of what Donald Trump is doing uh to to be like the goals that the Republican Party has are valid is fucked because if you think that if you think that uh a um a less free press is not a goal of the Republican Party. You're fucking kidding yourself. Because look at Fox News. Fox News has been like the best thing that's ever happened to the Republican Party. And that is not a free press. I don't know that I agree with you on that. Hear me out. Um, so up until this election cycle, Fox News was seen as like weird, fringy nonsense. And, like, actual Republicans thought it was mostly bullshit. And I, you know, I was raised in a in a Democratic household. And, like, please, if I'm wrong, like, let me know. But, like, I think that Fox News didn't start to be taken seriously by the Republican Party until, like, this election cycle or the one previous to it. Before that, it was kind of nonsense. Hmm. I don't know. I think that I, I, I think, think that, that it's the that, best thing that's happened to this new wave of, you know, hyper conservatism. But I don't think it's the best thing that's happened to the Republican Party. I well, 
I think that it I what I'm saying is that it it is a natural step in what the Republican Party's goals have been. Is what I'm saying. That I think Fox News, I think that their goal is destabilization. What I'm saying is, I like don't we, think that that's the Republican Party's goal. I think the Republican Party's goal is deregulation, is you know whatever the fuck Republicans want that I don't understand. But I do not think it's destabilization. I mean, but look at the Republican approval ratings for Trump. Like I, I don't know if I agree with you because they're high. Like like the Republican Republicans approve of Trump more or less, and I I think that you know. Maybe, uh, maybe the opinion of Fox News ten years ago was one way, but to think that like Fox News as a propaganda machine is is not uh, a big piece of why we're at where we're at with the Republican Party. I, I think that, I, and you know, I, I get, I do get, I do get where you're coming from. That I, I think that, I think that there was kind of a more understanding even with. You know, people that considered themselves Republicans that Fox News was this way, but I also think that I also think that the numbers of it, like the fact of the matter is, Fox News has succeeded, and there are a lot of Republicans that have watched Fox News since it since like the Murdoch days, and and I think that um I don't know uh I, where was I entirely where was I actually going with this I what I will say is that the more that we that like centrist outlets legitimize the story the like narratives of the fringe right the narratives of fox news the narratives of even Infowars. the more that we like that the that there are more nazi profiles being done in centrist outlets like npr and new york times and um that i that i think is really damaging and frightening and um, it, it only emboldens it to where the New York Times is publishing an op-ed about how, like, oh, do you, do you like, stand by the separation at the border but are afraid of authoritarianism? Well, then, here's the resistance for you. Like, yeah, you can be against immigration but also be part of the resistance. Like, no, you can't do that. You can't support the goals of the administration, the ultimate goals of the administration, but think that it's being run too authoritarianly and be like, well, I'm part of the resistance to to authoritarianism, but I basically support the like. What do you think? Where do you think authoritarianism comes from? With that, like, it's it's it, all this shit goes hand in hand. Like, it's it's textbook textbook why do you think like like hitler was the way that he was because it's like authoritarianism and like i uh isolationism is is and fascism are all like keys to a bigger puzzle of how the uh, movements like this are built yeah um i got caught up in the fact that uh there was some fat shaming on one of our posts in what vegans eat. What? Yeah. Like us? No. Oh, okay, good. Just that... general fat shaming. Dude, vegans. Um, yeah, how is that? So, so this is funny. Um, if, if you probably know, we've talked about it on the show, um, one of the things that are 
uh, that Scopy does on Facebook is we post memes and share them into groups. Uh, I got blocked from doing that for two days. Um, and I actually, so I don't know this because I don't, I don't get the notifications to the post, but I used your account yesterday to share into a vegan group. What's, what's the, what's the T? So, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, the post, tell, tell the meme. Yeah. Uh, vegans be like. Breakfast, berry smoothie, lunch, veggie wrap with hummus and fresh pressed juice, dinner, Beyond Burger, fries, an entire package of Oreos, three Taco Bell bean burritos, spicy sweet chili Doritos, Sour Patch Kids, and a pint of non-dairy Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And everyone's like, ha 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 ha. Anyway, um, someone commented what fat vegans eat. Someone said, you're literally obese, you old, you old cow. Oh my god! And then someone said, "Oh gosh, this one literally, this one literally astral tipped in and looked at me. Gosh, what a talent! Take your crap someplace else. You're the one saying what fat vegans eat when you're fat. Uh, what a fucking talent! You'd do better concentrating on getting the winning lottery numbers. Uh, that doesn't even go with what I said. Other person, nobody cares. Other person, okay, fatty." And then I commented saying, hi, fuck this and fuck you. And before you call me fat, here you go. I'm fat. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, surprise, veganism can be terrible. It's a, it can be a really fucking terrible community. Yeah. We've talked about this, I think, right? It's just toxic. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, they're, they're really great. Um, you know, and I think there are more people, more and more people that are pushing towards kind of talking about um like what the what the roots of the movement actually are like i saw nicole sopko posted something about how um like roots of veganism included like boycotting cotton because cotton is not vegan cotton was not vegan if if provided by slavery you know because it does not have consent Mm. Uh, so the only other thing I really wanted to make sure to talk about was, um, there was a really, really thoughtful conversation happening over in sounding board about, um, I shared something, we shared something in the Reddit. Uh, one of the things we've been doing a lot of are these kind of mini documentaries, which I, I really enjoy making. And I think they're, they're kind of have more of a reach than, than our article, our podcast or articles we've been doing. I've been calling them internally podcast to video where we take one of our podcasts and turn them into a video. So I shared one of those uh, into uh, on Reddit, um, and there was, and I, I share a lot of different stuff into Reddit. But anyway, so I took a screenshot of uh, of one of the comments that was just basically like talking about grassroots opera in Chicago, um, and how basically the comment was. I mean, the comment was rude, but it was the idea that. Um, that it can feel like some administrations only bring on friends um and the conversation from there is fascinating just because like so many of y'all listeners and people that are in the community have had so many different experiences some are admins some are otherwise um and you know i i uh i have a lot of thoughts on that too and you know if you want to read them feel free um it was a really really thoughtful conversation uh and i just want to 
basically I just want to say like thank you to everybody that participated in that because you know I think that there was a lot of personal levels to it and and I think that uh you know a grassroots community is unique in that way and that there are so many different personal experiences people from different uh uh angles of the entire conversation um that you know but like so much of it centers around privilege and and the inherent you know to be an admin is to have privilege in that space to uh to be able to afford to keep working at the career is to have privilege in that space to uh be a white person auditioning for other white people is a privilege like that's the you know i've i've had multiple kind of conversations with different people too and it's just like there are so many layers to this to this thing um but overall you know i think that uh what what is true is that um the economy of arts is really undervalued just as a whole just as an industry um and i just want to say like that's the reason why i wanted to say something and and bring all this up is because you know uh at the end of the day that's that's what we're trying to do with scopy is is highlight at all of it you know all of the of, of this industry this this arts industry and what it means to be you know um thoughtful of of privilege and and uh being underprivileged and uh being undercovered and uh all of this stuff is super important to us so that is that i think is this conversation ended up really kind of fleshing out for me what it is that we're doing why it is that we're doing what we're doing uh and it it uh it's in moments like this that i remember that the community that we're in has a lot of thoughts on this and and come from a lot of different experiences and i just appreciate that so uh it's it was a really good sounding board moment uh and if you have not if you have not uh if you're not in the facebook group and uh want to i highly recommend it it's a great space for that kind of stuff um, and yeah, I always say this at the end, you, but you can reach out to, to us personally or reach out to the Facebook page if you can't find the sounding board Facebook group. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we are up to, there are so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We spell it S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G.com. We post all of our articles and podcast episodes there, as well as some of our videos. Do check that space out. We uh, love our site very much. Uh, also, you can find our Facebook page, Scopy Magazine, uh, and our Facebook group that I just talked about, Sanding Board, uh, on Facebook. And we also, on, on other social media outlets, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Scopy Mag, spelled S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And the podcast, the one you're listening to right now, can be found on all podcast places, including iTunes, Google Play, and Radio Public under Scopy Radio. And I'm here to talk about the importance of subscribing. If you head to our website, scuppymag.com, and go to our subscribe page, there are a couple ways that you can do that. The first is to sign up for email blasts. This is hugely important because even though we post across social media platforms, Facebook eats our shit. So if you want to see 100% of what we're doing and not just 30% of it, then you should sign up for those email blasts. The second thing you can do is become a member. This is amazingly helpful because it helps us do things like keep our lights on and pay our artists. So if you're in a position to give, please consider doing so. There are some cool incentives that go along with that. 
uh, some exciting new ones that we'll be announcing soon as well. The new thing you can do, the limited time only thing that you can do, the thing that will help us right freaking now is if you donate to our Indiegogo. Uh, you can find that on our Facebook page. It is the pinned post. It would mean literally everything to us. And um, yeah, if you have any questions about why we're doing this or, you know, any any question, any reservations that you have before donating, please, 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 please feel free to reach out and ask. We've thought about this really hard. We've delayed doing an Indiegogo because we wanted, when we did it, we wanted it to count. And so we're both very passionate about this upgrade. So please, please, please reach out to us. So give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>